0: It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Welcome back to another edition of the Hello Wing Column podcast. Alongside former Major Leaguer Mike Bassett, I'm Jared Sandler. You know, we recorded this last week, but then the computer froze. And it's probably a good thing it did because I think we spent... A majority of the time, talking about the upcoming road trip being a really steep hill for the Rangers, and I think, yeah, I think we said maybe three, hopefully
0: two. Yeah, I was hoping to win a game in each series. Yeah, that,
1: yeah, that's what you said. And then, hey, the Rangers go and they take five to six. I know the road trip didn't end the way that anyone wanted. I think, like for whatever reason, optically, it would have been a lot better if the Rangers lost six to four, not thirteen to two. There's just something defeating about getting blown out like that. But at the end of the day, at the end of the night, the Rangers take five of six from the Nationals and the Astros. And without trying to sound too dramatic, that might have been somewhat of a season-saving road trip. Because if the Rangers go, let's say, one in five, they're now nine games under five hundred. It's going to be awfully tough from the time the road trip ended today and really tomorrow with the resumption of, of the season. From tomorrow until trade time for the Rangers to overcome a nine games under 500 deficit to prove that they should buy. Now, it, it definitely was doable, but man, to take five of six and to be sitting here a game under 500, it is a lot more doable for this team to move into that buying mode.
0: I honestly thought that's kind of where they would be, Jared, and that's why I'm happy they're not. Is the buying? Oh, the selling. Okay. Yes, is that they're just one game under 500. It's uh, still a very interesting season that can still go either way. Um, but yeah, I'm now more excited about the 2017 Texas Rangers. I, I can see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel when you want to get into Carlos Gomez coming back. I know Napoli hasn't been a very productive player for the Rangers, but he's getting close. And then Nicole Cole Hamels news just. Tyson Ross is going to get to pitch Friday night. You start seeing if these guys can come back healthy and perform to the ability the Rangers believe that they can perform to, then you're still in decent shape to make a playoff spot. Best signs
1: of this six game road trip. What what are the the big takeaways for you that could translate beyond just these six games? And I guess to to draw a line. Austin Bibbins Dirks had a great outing. He out Max Scherzer. With all due respect to Austin Bibbins Dirks, awesome dude, been a good story, and he's been really productive out of the bullpen. I don't look at Austin Bibbins Dirks and say, okay, what we learned this road trip is that we've got a stud starting pitcher in Austin yeah. Bibbins Dirks. So what are the things that that you saw that you're like, all right, hey, this this doesn't have to be a, a flash in the pan over the six game road trip. This is something that I think will carry on beyond this road trip.
0: Chu and Odor. Okay. Uh, those two guys, I, I believe, had good road trips. And I think it's somewhat sustainable. Now, I know Chu's not going to have a 500 on base percentage the rest of the way. But I believe Odor is going to get out of this early season funk. And by the end of the season, I don't think he's going to bat 271 or better like he did last year. But I do. I believe at the end of the year, he will be at 250 or better, which means there's still another 30 points or so to go in his batting average. I think he's going to hit a few more home runs uh, than he did early on in the season. That his home run rate will go up. Uh, Chu, as long as he stays healthy, you know he looks really good at the plate. He's seeing the ball well. That's who he is. It, getting on base a lot at the top of the order. Those are the two things that I see really helping that the offense can be more consistent going forward.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think... I was hoping that Jeremy Jeffries pitched well yesterday. And in fairness to him, the two home runs he gave up are flyouts pretty much everywhere else.
0: I, you know, real oh, go quick. Go ahead. Yeah. I pitched in that park. And there's part of me that thinks that you shouldn't play a left fielder against certain teams. Now, that's how pathetic I think Minute Maid is. I think it's a, a badly constructed field that looks super dark that is bad for baseball. Because the left field is so stupid that I think there are certain hitters that you could play kind of five infielders and two outfielders and get away with it at that park. That's how silly I think that park is, and I really hope, and maybe you know this, Jared, because I don't, I really hope the Rangers have no plans to do something to make something silly at a baseball game. Well,
1: I think... And I could be wrong. I think the Rangers plan on using the same dimensions for the new park they have with the current park. So okay. there isn't going to be a, a joke of a left field or anything like that. Okay, good. Um, Ty
0: Wigginton one time told me, yeah, I broke a bat, hit a home run. Into yeah, that. oh, yeah. Like You can break a bat, and the ball will still be a home run if you hit it into that corner.
1: Well, and, and I want to say this before I give you this note on Jake Marisnik and his home run. You know, the Rangers two nights ago benefited from right. it because rugneto Doors' opposite field home run is a fly out right. pretty much everywhere else. But... Jake Marisnik's home run is a home run 2% of the time when you consider where the ball traveled, the the exit velocity, the time in the air, the launch angle, all that stuff. And it's a hit just 3% of the time. So I'm not really sure what to say about Jeremy Jeffers. Prior to last night, he had allowed just one run over his last seven and two-thirds. He then pitched a scoreless inning and then got into some trouble giving up those two home runs, the one to Fisher, the one to uh, to Marisnik. So I'm not really sure what to think about that. But I'm hoping that the success he had prior to last night can carry over because the Rangers could absolutely use another arm in the pen. What I do think will remain, and we didn't necessarily learn anything over these six games, but Jose LeClerc, I think, has, has proven now a few games post-DL stint that this guy is is a stud for this team. What I'm curious about, is how often the Rangers go back to the well and use Matt Bush for a four-out save because there have been a few moments this year where it's like, man, it would be awesome if they trusted Matt Bush physically to bring him in in this spot. And they finally did that. They finally, for whatever reason, felt like physically Matt Bush was in a good enough place to do that, and I think that can make a difference.
0: Yeah, I'm with you because Kella is still inconsistent is even even too harsh of a word because he's one of the most consistent guys somewhat in your bullpen right now. Uh Leclerc love him in the 7th inning. I would love to see Bush be able to do that when you need it done. It really helped that the starters kept putting up quality start after quality start so uh the bullpen wasn't as taxed cuz what usually if you do win 4 or 5 in a row, sometimes the the closer needs a night off because he's been used 3 out of 4 nights. That wasn't the case in this winning streak. Uh, so, going forward, I bet they're going to do that. Not not consistently, right. but if Kella's first and second uh, with one out, I bet they get Bush going just because until Kella proves that he can get out of those situations himself on a consistent basis, I think you're just going to have to extend Bush an extra out to try to get some Ws. And then if you're out of... If you become out of the race, and I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, no, I agree. then you don't do that to Matt Bush. Because, like, look, we're not going to, to force this upon him just to get to 80 wins this year.
1: All right, now you and I had an interesting discussion yesterday on 105 Through the Fan. You can always catch Mike on the Gbag Nation from 10 to 3 uh, weekdays. So we're getting a lot of questions. We're going to answer questions here. We're getting a lot of questions from folks about will the Rangers be buyers or sellers? So I'm going to just quickly answer that for the both of us it, there's still so much time between now and when the rangers have to make a decision over a month i mean it's june 15th the rangers don't have to commit to being buyers or sellers on even july 15th now maybe uh you know uh, we have to take this type of deal comes around on july 10th and you know whatever but it's not like the rangers have to declare or anything so there's still a lot of time left uh one thing i think we both agree on is that we still really don't exactly know who this team is or what this team is and Oh, I think hopefully we figure that out more and more over the next month. But if the Rangers were to buy, what would they be in search of? And I know that the trading deadline is exciting because people think of big names. I would caution people in that I don't think the Rangers are going to be going after big names uh, at the trade deadline. I don't think that they necessarily have the assets that they're willing to deal to go toe-to-toe with some of these other buyers for a Chris Archer or a Sonny Gray or a Jose Quintana or a fill-in-the-blank. The The two areas I think the Rangers are going to be in pursuit of, incremental upgrades for the bullpen and the depth of their position players. Because I look at a night like last night, I have zero issue with Jared Hoyne getting a start. You have to use the roster you have and you can't play everyone every single day. I have zero issue with a struggling Elvis Andrews getting a night off. You have to use the roster you have, and you can't play everyone every single day. But right now, when you try and give guys rests or play matchups, you're using Pete Cosma and Jared Hoying and Jerickson Profar. And I think the Rangers, as we all know, will try and make upgrades to the bullpen, but I also think they need to make depth upgrades uh, among their crop of position players.
0: It's a great point because just talking to some people that actually can scout, that are professional scouts, they, to your point, there's three automatic outs on the Rangers uh, team, and it's Kozma Hoeing and Profar, that they feel like when they come to the plate, you just have to make an okay pitch and you get an automatic out. And you don't want that, especially if you're going to compete later in the season Right now, the weather has been mild in Texas. It's gonna get up to 100 degrees and yep. stay 100 and above 100. And that's when you really need to be cautious of playing Elvis Andrus uh, 25 out of 26 days, stuff like that. Uh, same with Beltray, especially with his leg issues that he's had this year. And if you're gonna have to just throw Profar out there or Cosma out there, uh, or on times for defense, Hoying out there, you're giving the other team a free out in your lineup. That's why American League fans hate National League Baseball, yeah. because there's a free out in the nine spot ninety percent of the time. And you don't want that on your American League team.
1: And you know, I will say this. Jared Hoyne obviously is not up here to to swing the bat, but I do think you can find someone who is, you know, similar defensively who maybe gives you a little more offensively. And and of those three. I think Jared Hoyne is the least of my worries, even though it was his at bat yesterday that was really the turning point. Uh you know, the I, I The hit
0: by pitch strikeout.
1: They hit by pitch strikeout, yeah. <laughs> uh and and chasing at, on on one oh a pitch that wasn't in the zone, and then on one one another pitch that wasn't in the zone. Uh and I'm
0: not trying those guys, they're they're major league baseball players. I'm just telling you You can get better. What other teams are saying when they come up to bat, this has to be an out.
1: Well, let's uh, you know I'll use the Astros as an example. Their fifth outfielder the equivalent of their Jared Hoyne, who plays more because he is better, is Jake Mariznick. Mm-hmm. You know that's man. If Jake Marisnik was on the Rangers, that would be a huge depth upgrade. Yeah. Uh, so you know, and then Marwin Gonzalez is kind of a Jerks and Profar type. Yeah. Marwin Gonzalez is a a way better player than Jerks yeah. and Profar. So when you consider, and and you don't have to get to that level, but man, it would be certainly nice to to do that. I I want to yeah. ask you this question. Okay. It is June 15th. Let's say on July 10th, some team comes calling. Okay. And the Rangers are two games out of the wild card. Okay, And a team gives you an offer that if you were in sell mode, you would be blown away and totally accept for you, Darvish. It's a package of prospects that could reshape your future. But you're not necessarily out of it yet. But they're telling you, hey, we're willing to give you this deal for an extra three weeks of you, Darvish. Uh-huh. This deal is off the table tomorrow. What do you do?
0: Did the Rangers make the playoffs in 2015? Yeah. Was you, Darvish, a starting pitcher on that team? He was not. I make the deal. I know it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to to be two games out, make up those two games, become a wild card team because I, you know, I think you feel the same way. The division is... It's going to be very tough to ever get competitive to win this division, to get it within four or three games in in September to really make it a race. I'm not saying they would make the playoffs if they traded you, Darvish. It becomes a lot more difficult, but I don't think trading you, Darvish, means you're totally screwed the rest of the season. Now, if you trade Gomez along with Darvish and LaCroix, uh, then you're screwed. You're not going to make it. But if you just trade Darvish because – Uh, they give you, for example, I'm just throwing out the example here, the Houston Astros starting pitcher last night, Martez, the guy who hit the home run last night, Fisher, and another top 10 prospect in their organization. (sighs) That's, that's tough to say no to. You just put Martez in the spot that you had you Darvish in, uh, Fisher becomes one of your possibly everyday players immediately and you got a prospect in AA who's let's say throwing 96 miles an hour you know the minor leagues better than i do but i'm just i'm throwing those three guys out cuz Houston yeah. knows they've won the division they want to win the world series they want to go with uh with uh Darvish, Dallas Keuchel yeah. then Yu Darvish then McCullers as their three guys come playoff time i say okay if you want to we'll take we'll take these three studs yeah. from you and and hopefully it'll it'll come back and hurt you guys that Yu Darvish doesn't re-sign with you guys and that we just got Two guys that are immediate impacts on our big league team, and another guy who we think in 2018 will be an impact on this team.
1: I'd feel better if Cole Hamels came back and was pitching well, right? Uh, but I think if a team's going to blow you away like that, you can't. Uh, you you have to you have to definitely consider it uh, because the reality is, if you're two games under 500 or two games back of the wild card, around 500. You got to be be realistic yeah. here. It could happen. Yeah. Uh and as long as you get in the dance, you know, you can get the, you know, that dance with that girl you have a crush on, but you got to you got to be realistic here. I had braces in college. All right, and the minute I I broke up with my girlfriend, I knew that when I did that, my my high school girlfriend, uh it was going to be tough for me cuz I had braces in college, but I was there, I had a chance. The odds were steep. Uh you know, you get in the dance. You get into the postseason; anything can happen, and you got to consider that. But if you can make a deal that could possibly shape your future, uh, then I think you have to consider it.
0: Speaking of shape, you were in Houston last night. I was. Is Martez's shape as bad as it looks on on uh, TV?
1: Yeah, he walked right by me. Actually, I was I was in the tunnel right by the bus, getting ready to go to the airport. Yeah, uh, waiting for you know all the the, the players to file in, and uh, the buses were parked right by where the players for yeah. the Astros walked by, and uh, I was like. I remember he was he was I was on the phone doing the post game with Kevin and Corey and uh, like these three guys were walking towards me. One was Diane Diaz uh, who pitched for the Astros. I think two nights before, and there's this guy. I was like, must must just be their boy, like you know, just a friend. Like there's no way this guy. And as he walked closer and closer, I'm like, wait a second,
0: that's Francis Martes. He's like. Like a little short, fat guy. Yeah. And that I do worry about not that the Rangers are going to get him, but if you're an Astros fan and he threw good yesterday, that is that's a body that I don't know if 30 years old that can pitch in the major leagues because it's just going to get bigger.
1: I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think Francis Martez is an Astro on August 1st. Okay. I, I really do believe that, uh, and and it's not an indictment against him, but they're going to go out and get a big-time starting pitcher, and Francis Martez is almost certainly going to be in that deal.
0: If you trade for him, your number one goal is to get him on a better diet.
1: Yeah, you got to put him on the Eddie Lacy plan. <laughs> yeah. We'll give you some money yeah. for every uh, benchmark you reach. All right, let's get to some more questions here. Jordy wants to know when Jake Diekman's coming back. He's just going to start a throwing program coming up. There's, you know, I, I think the the best way to put it is there's no timetable for his yeah. return, but possibly sometime in July. Uh, all right, it would be
0: a huge accomplishment. I I would say to pitch this year that would be awesome to see Jake Diekman pitch for the 2017 Texas Rangers would be awesome.
1: Yeah, and and I would also caution people that don't come in with expectations that he's going to be the savior because. He has gone through a lot with his body, and it's going to take some time. I don't know that it's fair to just expect him to hit the ground running. Uh, All right, Dylan and Mike asking about buying or selling. We talked about that. Uh, Hayden wants to know, on a scale of 1 to 10, with Lewis Brinson making his Major League debut uh, earlier this week, how bummed are you about that trade? And, you know, it obviously hasn't worked out uh, this year the way the Rangers would like, because Jonathan Lucroy's been an okay player. Jeremy Jeffries has not been an okay player. Uh, but Jonathan Lucroy was pretty important last year. Uh, he had 11 home runs over two months with the Rangers, and definitely played a role in the Rangers. Uh, definitely played a role in the Rangers, you know, securing the AL West and the top record in the you know the American League. I know it didn't work out beyond that, but uh, you got to pay to play. And right now, I mean, Lewis Brinson, yeah, he could end up being a star. Uh, but the Rangers also have a guy named Leody Tavares who made Lewis Brinson a little more expendable. I definitely wish Jonathan Croy was performing better. I definitely wish that uh, Jeremy Jeffers was performing better. To me, that's the key right there. That yeah. Jeremy Jeffress not really giving you much <laughs> is tough. But I mean, I, I understand why that trade had to be made.
0: Yeah, you you take a risk. You make a you take a chance. The Rangers were the favorites, and maybe I'm wrong, but the Rangers had the best record in the American League going into the playoffs. I know that's factual. I felt like. I think quite a bit of the public felt like they were the leaders to go to the World Series in the American League with home field advantage, with Cole Hamels, with Hugh Darvish being healthy, going into the playoffs. And it didn't work out. And if you would have made the World Series last year and somehow beat the Chicago Cubs, it wouldn't have mattered. But unfortunately, you got swept. You're not off to that great of a start this year. It doesn't look like you're going to be able to win the division this year. So then in hindsight, everybody says, boy, if we could just Get Luis Ortiz back if we could get Luis Brinson back if we could get Nate Grindel back because maybe Nate Grindel if you don't trade him maybe he's the center fielder right now filling in for Carlos Gomez. Ryan Cordell. Ryan Cordell. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> it's okay, I was like man, Mike, you've got a really impressive knowledge or memory of prospects years ago. Who's Nate Grindel?
0: You know what? I might have played with like Nate Grindel. Now that I think about it, like in 1999 through 2001, it rhymed. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean. Cordell and Grindel, hey, this is a podcast. We're we're axing this, oh, are we? <laughs> um, but yeah. sorry,
1: no, no. You're, I, I get what you're saying, yeah. but
0: I just, I'm not going to fault John Daniels. I I will not uh, at any point say John Daniels made a major mistake trading for an all star like catcher when you had a chance to win the World Series, and he gave up two guys that were not going to help you in 2016, and you you weren't sure if they could help a major league team in 2017.
1: And I know that everyone is in love with Robinson Trinos right now, but let's not forget the narrative that was getting spun about a year ago where Rob, the Rangers are going to lose because of Robinson Trinos. I mean, it was unbelievable how much was thrown on this guy. And I think, to be honest, you know, I thought last year the love affair with Jonathan Lucroy was a little too strong and the hate, the hating that was going on with Robinson Trinos was unfair and I think the roles are a little reversed this year. Robinson Centrinos has been really good in his role, but let's not mistake him for an all-star catcher, though he has been very important to this team, and I don't think Jonathan lucroy has been as bad as some people have made him out to be. Uh, He just hasn't been a catching Jesus, which is what he was positioned as last year. Uh, All right, so this is a question about... uh, It's from Michael. Will there be any movements... With Jeffress or Barnett. So I'm going to go ahead and say no to Jeffress in the immediate. Barnett's an interesting one. They got to create a space for Tyson Ross on Friday. And Tony Barnett's got an ERA around eight. And it just has been, it's been a struggle for a, a while. And he's optionable. I would not be surprised if Tony Barnett was optioned to just kind of get things back on the right track uh, over a AAA. What have yeah, you seen from him? I mean, I'm seeing a guy who's missing his location consistently.
0: Yeah, is. His uh, his ball doesn't have late movement, late life, however you'd like to say that to, to make it make sense, where uh, the timing is messed up, that he's hitting the barrel of the bat a whole bunch. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, I don't want to be too hard here, I'm trying to put this in the right way, because he was not in the Sam Dyson-Tollison role, you kind of seem to just say, oh, we move on the next day, and you kind of forget about it, but I mean, there hasn't been much difference with Barnett and Sam Dyson, except that Barnett does it in the sixth and seventh inning. And Dyson was doing it in the eighth and ninth inning, mostly in the ninth inning to start off the season. But I he has it. I know he can pitch at the big league level and help the Texas Rangers. He did it last year. But I'm kind of with you. I'm just going in my head. Dylan G, you could you could send him down and and that would make total sense to me. I don't think you can send down Bibbins Dirks or Nick Martinez the way they threw the ball the last time they took it. Uh, you know, cuz one of them probably goes back to the bullpen and you say, "Look, they're pitching better right now." And it could make sense. I'm I'm just it could make sense for Barnett to go down, get about 3 or 4 appearances, hopefully put up 3-4 zeros. And then call them right back up. Say, awesome. We found something. Let's do this. I'm sure every team goes through this, Jared. Does it seem like the Rangers, even though they've been a really good team the last few years, the first half of the season? The bullpens. Yeah. Yeah. You go into spring training. I, I feel like I'm going to go into spring training next year and just say, this is not going to be a good bullpen for the first three months of the season. Even, no matter who they have, uh, no they can have Raleigh have. Fingers like, and
1: Goose gossip. Yeah, yeah. Like, this
0: is going to be a bad bullpen, and then they're going to make a few trades if they're good, and it'll become a good bullpen the second half of the season.
1: I mean, that that's the way it's worked, and hopefully that pattern continues this year just because we've already gone through that really bad portion. All right, so some interesting questions. Carlos Gomez and Mike Napoli undergoing or uh, in the middle of their rehab assignments. Napoli actually, I guess, technically begins his tonight in Frisco. Carlos Gomez began or continued his in Frisco last night after starting it off in Triple A Round Rock. So, what do the Rangers do when those two guys get back in the lineup? You know, de DeShields doesn't give you a ton defensively, but you know he's hitting around 300 and getting on base around 35 percent of the time. I actually thought he had a really good at bat yesterday, or played appearance against Francis Martes to reload the bases uh, after the Rangers got their first run on the wild pitch. But that's a fair question. I it's definitely not as easy to say. oh, You just got to take. Delino out of the lineup like it might have been a month ago. Uh, With Napoli, I think you give him time as a first baseman. uh, And do you do a
0: righty lefty thing with Napoli? I think you,
1: yeah. You know, I I don't know that I'm in love with the. I think you could do a righty lefty thing with Napoli, Uh, and yeah, you very well could do it with Gallo. Uh, I I think you know because Napoli had had a good May before he got hurt. I think I wonder if maybe you give him a few weeks out the shoot or a week or whatever to hit righties and lefties. But that very well might be what happens. I mean, there, there definitely is going to be an odd man out here. Gomez is going to be in center field every day. Uh, Mazzara is going to be in the lineup every day, likely in right. chu has got to be in the lineup every day, likely as a DH. Uh, so that leaves left field available for Gallo or DeShields,
0: uh, yeah. first
1: base for Gallo or Napoli. Um, you know, and you can obviously rotate chu Kind of in that mix, you can give him a day off every you know but here and there.
0: And we talked about this earlier. At least this gives Banny a good option off of the bench. Yeah,
1: absolutely. They're, a this pinch will add hitter, uh,
0: something where he doesn't look down there and go, "They can replace somebody defensively, but I got nothing to change the game offensively on my bench."
1: So who's the guy who? So you would propose going righty lefty with Napoli and Gallo?
0: I think you you have a Deshields. Napoli, Gallo, kind of two guys are going to play every night and one guy is going to be on the bench. And Gallo, that's why he's so valuable because he can go out to left field and he can play first base and he can give Beltray a day off here and there at third base. So Gallo makes this doable where I think everybody stays fresh, everybody stays uh, engaged. Because if you do sit out three or four days in a row, it's tough to say, okay, now you get to bat and Chris Sales pitching because he's left-handed. Go get him, Delino. And then Delino's one for his last 13, and they're like, man, he's just not hitting anymore. Well, you gotta keep him playing kind of two two out of three games might be a lot. Two out of four games. He needs to be playing 50% of the games to kind of stay in this good groove that he has, this rhythm that he has at the plate.
1: All right, one more one more question here. We'll get out of here. This is a Hello and Calm podcast. He's Mike Bassick. I'm Jared Sandler. Uh, we got a question here from... This is David. What can we expect from Tyson Ross this Friday? Especially curious after his struggles in AAA. So I'll say that I think it's a big mystery. And no matter what happens Friday, it's not a definitive predictor of what's going to happen the rest of the year. If he goes 7th shutout, don't think that he's immediately back to 2013 to 2015 form. If he gives up seven runs in two innings, don't think that that's what it's going to be the rest of the year. It's his first start coming back from a, a pretty significant operation. I think for me, uh, it's that I, I think we have no clue really what, what's going to come of it because we just haven't had enough sample size uh, for people coming back from this injury and, and the samples we have, the the results have been mixed, but I'm curious. I mean, you've played with guys who have gone through this. What, do you, what are your thoughts here?
0: Uh, to start off, I would love to see the ball in the 93 to 96 range. I know that that's just velocity, and, and that doesn't mean success or failure. But I'd like to see that from his arm. I'd like to see that good breaking ball every once in a while. I think that'll take some time to really be consistent with your breaking ball, but he has a really good one. I'm going to throw it to you. He could tell the hitter he's going to throw it, and they could still swing and miss on it, and then work in that good changeup. He has unbelievable stuff. I don't expect to see that early on, so I'm looking for Jared five to six innings in those first two to three starts uh, and give your team a chance to win and just see that there's improvement with location of his pitches. Because I think you could see on Friday night three or four walks in five or six innings that doesn't mean he's going to walk a lot of guys all season long, but this is the first time he's thrown a ball competitively in the major league level since opening day of last year, and he was hurt when he threw those balls on opening day of last year. So you're looking at a year and a half, almost two years or so, of being off of throwing competitively against major league hitters. So that's, that's where I'm at. I'm hoping by the time we get to August, Jared, that he's, he is Tyson Ross of 2013-2014.
1: Yeah, that'd be a great addition. There's no doubt about that. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week. He's Mike Bassett. I'm Jared Sandler. Thanks so much for joining us on the Halloween Calm Podcast right here on 105.3thefan.com.